Seen money. <laughs> Seen money. That's how we know it's going to be good. $9 maybe. $10. $25. In the thousands. About $600. 40 bucks. Like when they work and get a job. I get money for like my birthday or Christmas. You make money with paper, white, and and you have to draw something. Like a queen or a skeleton. Our house, our food, our things. A new puppy. Pizza. Shoes. My mom mostly like pillows. As much Lego sets as I could get. More Pokemon cards. Some stuff for my dogs. An ice cream cone. Marshmallows! Anything I saw in the store that I wanted to buy. Some American Girl dolls. A PlayStation? A house. My own apartment. My friend. <laughs> People who don't have enough money to have a house. Churches, um, fundraisers. My sister. As long as it's play money. Well, good morning, New City Church. Great to have each of you here today. And for those of you joining us uh, across our campuses or online, we're so grateful that each of you would come and worship today. And that's what we're here today to do. When we're in the presence of God, we're called to do one thing, and that is to worship. And the scriptures tell us that we're two or three are gathered in his name as we are today. There he is. So we're here to worship, and we're grateful to have each of you here with us. This past week, we were able to uh, participate in a project with some of our partner schools. We gave each and every student and teacher a long sleeve shirt for the winter season and a, a lanyard that was branded by each school. So many of you know that a couple of our city partners are uh, Idlewild Elementary and Greenway Park Elementary. We've been serving there for several years and we had the opportunity this week to to bless them and thank you so much for your generosity um, that, that really resulted in a blessing to other people. And it's so great as we start the Thanksgiving week to remember that it, it's more blessed to, to what? To, to give than it is to receive. And, and we receive so much from our partnerships with being with different students and uh, different folks all across our city. And just wanted to share some images with you of some wonderful things that happened this week because of your generosity. And another thing just to highlight here, just a part of some family news up front here before we get into the message. Uh, we had 130 servant leaders from our church who went and volunteered. And so that, that really made these two days possible at Idlewild and Greenway Park. And if you haven't had the chance uh, to come and to serve with us at one of our, our local serve projects, just want to encourage you in the season to come, to jump in and to come and, and serve with us and, and give of yourself in that way. We're so grateful uh, for your generosity uh, and for, for the chance to, to be a part of so many wonderful things that are happening in our city. And speaking of giving, we started two weeks ago a series entitled Giving Up. And we talked about the bottom line being that we want to give up to God what we tend to hold most dear. We want to give to God what we hold most dear. And so we could probably talk about 400 things of giving up to God, but we try to hold on to and play tug of war with, with God. But we're going to talk about four things. We started the series by talking about giving up your influence. 
And we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This is an interesting one when we talk about generosity, thinking about how you're generous with your influence. So many of you have uh, influence that you maybe haven't even thought about professionally or in relationships or friendships, people that you know, or specific areas that God's called you to in the city. You know, last month we did a series called The Art of Neighboring, and we talked about maybe your greatest mission field is the mission field of the group of people that live right next door to you. And so uh, we talked about influence being your, your circle or your space of, 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 of activity that God's called you to. And we learned a Greek word together from 2 Corinthians chapter 10 on the subject of giving up influence. The word is kanon. And the word means influence. It's translated as influence. It's used four different times in the New Testament. And three of them are, are in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul uses this word. The definition is literally a space or a sphere of activity that God's called you to. And so the point is this, that God's given each of you a canone, a sphere of activity, a space that he's called you to, and God's asking you to be generous with it, to use it not for your own ends, but for the kingdom. And how can you leverage each of the things that God's called you to from a kingdom perspective? And then last week, uh, Pastor Rodney talked to us about giving up our time. And I love this message. He brought it from Ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 through 17 and talked about what does it mean to be generous with this gift of time. God's given each of us the same amount of time, right? So how can we steward this gift of time? And here's the passage that, that Rodney preached from. Paul writes, look carefully then how you walk. We could stop right there today, couldn't we? Look carefully then how you walk, Paul writes. Look carefully how you live. You should, you should live as wise people, Paul writes, not as unwise people, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And I love how Roddy mentioned to us when it comes to stewarding our time, we have to start with the will of the Lord. What is the good and perfect will of God? And then let the work flow from there. If we begin with the work, a lot of times we'll miss the will of God. But if we begin with what is the good and perfect will of God, and how does that play itself out in my life as, I, as it comes to stewarding my time? That, that's what God's calling us to. So giving up your influence, giving up your time. And today we're going to talk about giving up your finances, giving up your money. Now here's the thing. Some of you knew that we were going to be talking about this today, and you still came to church. So that's amazing, right? I know that this can be a sensitive subject. And candidly, it can be a sensitive and difficult subject to preach on. So let's begin with prayer together today. God, thank you so much for this time together that we have to worship you. And that's what we're here to do, to worship you in spirit, to worship you in truth. We thank you for your word that is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Thank you in a world that is constantly changing in a world that gives us so many messages and so many, so many different things that it, it's pulling us towards, that your word can be counted on. Your word is truth. And I pray that you would speak to us today specifically on the subject of money. Open up our hearts to hear what you have to say to us. Help each of us to take a step closer to you, Jesus, and be changed because of it. It's in Christ's name that we pray together. And all God's people said, amen. amen. So I'm going to start by saying I'm I'm sorry. I'm going to give an apology right up front because some of you have grown up in churches or you've been in circles where on the subject of money, what you've learned that God says about money, what you've been told that God says about money is something like this, that God needs your money, so you better give it. Or 
Maybe you've been taught or you learned that God needs your money or wants your money so that he can bless you. And if you don't give your money, then God's not going to bless you. He's not going to give to you. Or maybe you've learned growing up or maybe you've heard the message somewhere along the way that that you're required to give your money and that's the reason why you have to give money to the church, give money to God. Has anybody, you don't have to raise your hand, anybody heard a message sort of like that? I don't think it strikes at the heart of what God really says about money. I don't even think it's in the ballpark of what God says to us on the subject of money. So I'm sorry for that. May I offer a few different ideas, uh, hopefully a, a better theology, a better understanding about what God says in regards to money? Let's start here with Psalm 50. The psalmist says that our God owns cattle on a thousand hills. Now, what does that mean? You say, Chris, what does cattle have to do with my money? Well, the psalmist is communicating to us that God owns everything, that God made everything. We know that every good and perfect gift, the Bible says, comes from above, comes from God. He, he made it all. So does it make logical sense that the God who made everything needs your money and is wringing his hands in heaven going, what's the offering going to be today? Does, does that make any sense? No. But we've been taught that, many of us. And a better understanding as we come to the scriptures is, first of all, understanding that God made it all. God owns it all. We believe today, the scriptures teach us, that God is the creator and the sustainer of all of life. He is not dependent on anything or any. One, he doesn't need your money. Can I go a little bit further with this? He doesn't need you, but he sure does want you. God doesn't need you, but he sure does want you. He made everything. He's in charge and sovereign over everything. And God knows this about each and every one of us, that one of the chief rivals to our affections for the one true God who loves us and who made us is the God of money. One of his chief rivals is the God of money, the idol of money. The evangelist John said it this way in his gospel, all things were made through him. Who is him? Christ All things were made through Christ, and without him was not anything made that was made. Think about that for a moment. Without Jesus, not anything was made that was made, including you. He is the creator and the sustainer of all. He doesn't need us, but he sure does want us. And that's why the Bible talks about the subject of giving, and specifically giving of our money. Because again, it's one of the chief rivals. It's one of the chief competitors to our affections and our love for God. When you give, everyone watch this for just a moment. When you give, whether you give of your influence, your time, your finances, your thanksgiving, or any other way, when you give, you become more like your God. Because we serve a God We worship a God today that is a giver. He is the giver of all good things. And in fact, probably the best known passage in all of the Bible, John 3, 16, say it with me. For God so loved the world that he he gave. God so loved you that he gave. 
We live in a world that's all about getting. Lust is all about getting. Lust for people, lust for money, lust for possessions. It's all about getting things and holding on to them for dear life. Love is all about giving. Love is what can I give? Love in the context of marriage specifically, I love this. Love is a race to the end of the line. In all of your relationships, love is saying, how can I serve you? How can I give to you? Love moves us to a posture and a position of giving. And God models that for us. He loved us so much that he gave to us. And he gives, and he gives, and he gives, and he gives. You're never more like your God than when you give. And every single time you give, you become more like him. Here's the truth today. You can give, it's true. You can give without loving. You can give without loving. You can make a contribution. You can give without really loving. But here's what's also true. You cannot love without giving. The Bible talks about this. God says to his people, this is so interesting in the Old Testament. He says to them, you know what? I'm tired of your giving. I'm tired of your possessions. I'm tired of your sacrifices. I'm tired of all the things that you bring to me and place on the altar. What I really want most is your heart. I want you. I want you. So you can give. It happened in the scriptures. You can give without loving. But when you really love God and you really love people, the great commandment, you can't help but give. Because love always moves us to that posture of giving. That is the foundation of giving begins with understanding how much God has given to us. Did you know that the Bible talks about faith 246 different times? Pretty important thing biblically, right? Faith, trust, this word. 246 times the Bible writes about faith and trust. How about the word hope? A pretty important word in the Bible, hope. We're a hopeful people because of Jesus. The word hope is mentioned 185 times in the Bible. How about the word love? That's a very important word for us as Christians, right? The word love is recorded 733 different times in the Bible. The word giving or synonyms of giving are recorded over 2,000 times in the Bible. 15% of Jesus' preaching was about the subject not just of giving but about money. 11 out of 39 parables that Jesus tells are about the subject of wealth or money. And you say, Is God obsessed with money? Is God obsessed with my money? No. God's obsessed with you. God loves you so much to leave you alone and not talk about the subject of giving, specifically the subject of giving your money. Because your wallet, your checkbooks, your banking account oftentimes have a direct line to your heart. The way we manage our calendars, our schedules, our banking accounts, our circles of, of friends, our gratitude and thanksgiving that we're going to talk about next week as we finish the series, the way that we steward these gifts that God gives to us has a direct line to our heart. Let me say it a different way. What's down in the well comes up in the bucket. What's down in the well of your heart comes up in the bucket of your words and your actions, specifically when it comes to giving. Jesus said it this way, no one can serve two masters. Do you remember this passage? Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other or will be devoted to one and he'll despise the other. You cannot love, you cannot serve both God and money. But boy, do we try. Boy, do we try. So the Bible talks about giving over 2,000 times. 
So I thought today that I would just take a few moments on each of those passages. We could just walk through those 2,000 verses this morning before we leave. I'm kidding. Let's look at one. Can we do that? Let's look at one passage about the subject of giving and what God says about this. Turn to your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And if you don't have a copy of the scriptures, there's one right in front of you today across our campuses. And please take that copy of scriptures as our gift to you. If you're following along on your phone, you can look on the app. The passage is already preloaded there. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And we're going to look specifically at verses 1 through 11. And as you're turning there, let me just give a little bit of historical context to the passage that we're going to be concentrating on today. Paul is writing, of course, to the church at Corinth. This is a church that he wrote, recorded at least four different letters that we know about. Two of them are recorded in the New Testament. So this is one of them. This is a church that he planted. This is a church that he loves in a major city called Corinth. The subject that he's writing about today in chapter 9 is the subject of an offering that he's taking for the church at Jerusalem. It's a collection of money that he's gathering from different churches across the region to take back to Jerusalem to help people there who are suffering. Now here's what I find fascinating about this. That the church originated, of course, in Jerusalem. And remember, Jesus said at his ascension, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem in Judea, in Samaria, and where else? The ends of the earth. And now the ends of the earth that are represented here in the first century, Corinth, are now giving back to the church at Jerusalem. So the churches that were planted out of Jerusalem are now giving back, and I love that picture. This is the context that Paul is writing. He's taking an offering. He wants them to participate, so he's going to talk about giving up your money. Now, what's also interesting that we find out in the book of Acts is that some of Paul's family still live in Jerusalem. Paul grew up in Jerusalem. He was born in Tarsus, but he grew up in Jerusalem. He was trained in Jerusalem, and he still has family members there. Paul never forgot about where he came from, and he cares about those people deeply. And so he's going to make a collection for them to go and to bless them. And again, I find this amazing that the people that were blessed from the church of Jerusalem are now going to be a blessing back to them. So here's our passage, 2 Corinthians 9, verses 1 through 11. Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints. He's referring to the offering that he's collecting. For I know your readiness, Paul writes, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some of the Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident." So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift that you have promised, that you may be ready, that it may be ready as a willing gift and not as an exaction. Verse 6, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency at all times with all things, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. 
Verse 10, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Last verse today, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. May God bless the reading of his word to you today. God has something to say about our giving. And in this passage specifically, God is speaking to each of us, to the church, about what it means to give up our money. And he begins by saying it should be prayerful. Your giving should be prayerful. In other words, you need to ask God, first and foremost, what you're supposed to give. And give your heart to God first before you give anything, whether it's your money, your time, your influence. Your heart, first and foremost, belongs to God to the Lord. And so Paul says, your giving of money should begin with the giving of your heart to the Lord. And so let me go back to chapter 8, because chapters 8 and 9 in 2 Corinthians are devoted to this offering that Paul is collecting for the church at Jerusalem. And he's speaking specifically about collecting money and giving up of our money. And in chapter 8, he says the Macedonians, which Macedonia was a region uh, of churches like Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea, all are in the Macedonian region, all places that Paul planted churches that he's making this collection through. And he says, in Macedonia, the people gave their hearts first to the Lord and then to us, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5. And he said, this surprised us because we came to give an offering, but before they gave of their money, they gave of themselves first to the Lord. And this is such a wonderful principle about giving for each of us. That before you give anything monetarily, your heart first and foremost must be given to the Lord. Paul said in his earlier letter to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he said, the cross is foolishness for those who don't believe. For those who don't believe in Jesus, the cross doesn't make sense to them. And you know what? Giving doesn't make sense to people who aren't Christ followers. Giving in this way that we're talking about today doesn't make sense to them. It's foolishness to them, but it makes sense to us. Your giving should cause other people who aren't Christ followers to take notice. If you go to a CPA who does your taxes at the end of the year and they're not a Christ follower and they look at your returns, they should say, these are different than the other returns that I see. You're weird. You're giving way too much money. Do you know how much money you're giving? Let me show you how much money you're giving. I don't have people who come in my office who want to give this much money. Your giving should be different. It doesn't make sense to people who aren't Jesus followers because you've given yourself first to the Lord. Your heart first and foremost belongs to God. And it's out of that place that then you can begin to rightly give. Let me say it this way. If you don't give your heart to the Lord in every area of your life, in his lordship, giving will never make sense to you. You'll hear a message like you are today about giving, and it won't make sense to you. And you'll say, oh, all the church ever does is talk about money. All they ever want is money. It won't ever make sense. But when we give our hearts first to the Lord, then we can see how our time, our influence, our money, how all of it is a gift from God. And we don't possess it, but we steward it. And this is what faithfulness looks like when it comes to giving. It's very easy for each of us, isn't it, to forget where all of our good things come from. Is that true or not true? We forget that every good and perfect gift comes from above. And especially when it comes to our finances, we forget that they're a gift to be stewarded, not a possession to be owned. So Paul says, first and foremost, principle about your giving, begin with praying about what you're supposed to give. 
and, and ask God to make you generous. Give your heart first and foremost to the Lord and then begin to order everything else. If you don't do that, nothing else will make sense. Give yourself first to the Lord. If, if I could say one thing, if one thing stuck with you that you could take from this message today, New City, it would be this. Pray about what you're meant to give. So many of, of us give our time, we give our money, we give other things, but we never pray and ask God, what would you have me to do here? What would you have me to give here? How can I be a generous person? If you struggle with generosity, if you find yourselves wanting to hold on and play tug of war with God, ask God in prayer to make you a generous person. Begin first and foremost with prayer. Prayer is the foundation for everything that we do, including our giving. Ask God what it is that you're meant to, to give. Ask God to give you a heart of generosity and giving towards other people. Your giving should be prayerful. Secondly, your giving should be prioritized. It should be a priority for you. Look at our passage today, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 through 2 specifically. Paul says that the church at Corinth is ready. You guys are ready to give, he says. And everybody knows of your readiness. They know of your zeal to give. Wouldn't that be a great thing to be known for, church? That we are ready to give. Did you know that in the early church when the offering was taken, people would applaud? Maybe we can start that here. When the plates come around, we applaud. They couldn't wait to give. They were ready to give. They were excited to give. They had a zeal to want to be generous with other people because it was a priority to them. They made that something that was important. They asked God to help them with it, and they gave, they gave in that way, out of a priority, not as a leftover. So many of us, practically speaking, when it comes to giving our money, it's the last thing that we do. In other words, God gives to us whatever he gives through our, our work, through our situations, different, different for everybody financially. And then at the end of all of our debits, all the bills that we have, you guys have bills, right? We have bills. You guys have bills? All right, yeah, everybody's got bills. So you pay your mortgage and you pay your car payment and you pay your rent and you, you pay your student loan and, and all the different things that it, that it takes to live in this world. And then whatever's left over, we, we try to decide how we could be generous or give to other people. And Paul reverses all that. He says, actually, the church at Corinth, when it comes to this offering, they were so ready and zealous to give. It was their first priority. It was the thing that they thought about, that they were known for. And did you know that your generosity is contagious? Look at the passage. Paul says that everybody's talking about your zealousness to give. You're, you're so zealous to give. You're so ready to give. And everybody's talking about that. When you have a generous heart that wants to give, other people notice that. And you know who noticed it, notices it first and foremost? Your children and your grandchildren. They see the way that you give in that way. And they can't wait to be a part of that. Now, here's the thing that most of us believe, okay? We believe that when we get more, we'll do what? You've heard that too? When I get more, I'll give more. But can I share something statistically with you? The most generous group in the United States by percentage, this may surprise you, are the people that make less than $75,000 a year. They're the most generous group of people in our country. And the more you make from 75,000, if you make more than that, the more you make, the less percentage generous that you are. 
So when you first get a job or you get out of college or you're first married and you're eating beans and rice and ramen noodles and all that, you don't have a whole lot. You think one day when my ship comes in and, and I get more money, then I'll give and be generous. It doesn't work that way. You'll always find things to spend your money on. Generosity doesn't begin with your wallet. It begins with your heart. So it doesn't matter. Don't forget about the amount. It doesn't matter what the amount is. It begins in your heart. And being generous with what the Lord has given to you today. Be a generous person today. Ask God to help you to be generous now. Because it's not true that years later, when, if the Lord blesses you with more revenue, more income, that you'll be generous. Then it doesn't work that way because it's a matter of your heart, not your wallet. For many of us, just practically speaking, again, we begin with all of our, our debits and our bills, and then we look at, okay, what can I be generous with? I want to challenge you with this. Start with your giving. The first thing that, you, that, that goes out of your banking account every single month, let it be what you want to give to other people. Start with your generosity. Make it a priority in your life. Paul says that you guys are known as a church, Corinth, as a church that is ready and zealous to give. May that be true of each of us as well. I love what C.S. Lewis said about this. He said, prosperity knits a man to the world. Isn't that true? Prosperity knits our hearts to this world and the things that are passing away. Lewis said, the man thinks that he's finding his place in the world, but actually it's finding his place in him. So when we give of our increase and our, the money that God's given to us, every time you get a promotion, uh, when the Lord uh, blesses you, when we give in that way of everything that God's given to us, what we're reminding ourselves and other people is, it doesn't belong to me. I'm a steward of it. And, when, and let, me, let, me, let me just say one more thing on this as it pertains to prioritizing your giving. When you prioritize your giving, when you give generously in that way, it breaks the back of financial idolatry. Again, one of the chief rivals to God, maybe the chief rival of our affection, our devotion, our love for God is our love for money. And when you give generously, you're reminding the enemy, you're reminding that, that, that your heart doesn't belong to money, your heart only belongs to God. Financial generosity breaks the back of financial idolatry. Your giving should be prayerful. It should be prioritized. These are all P's, by the way. Your giving should be planned. It should be planned. Paul says here in verses 3 through 5, 2 Corinthians 9, that, hey, I know you're ready. I know you're zealous. You've prayed. It's a priority. But I want to make sure that you're ready to live up to what you've said you want to do. In other words, I'm going to make sure that you're planned in your giving. I'm going to go ahead and make ready the offering in advance. I'm going to plan for this so that you can fulfill what you've said you want to do. Everyone, everyone watch this. So many of us have a heart for giving, a generous heart, but we don't have a generous head. What do I mean by that? Well, we sit in a worship service or we go to a gathering where we're talking about how we can bless an organization or people in our city or around the world, or we're watching something that the Holy Spirit moves and our heart is warmed and we feel generous and we want to give, and then we go to our bank account and there's nothing there to give. We open up our wallet and there's nothing there to give because we haven't planned for it. And so I love what Paul says. He says, yeah, you guys are, are, are just zealous for giving. You're, you're ready to give. It's, been a, it's a priority for you. But I'm going to send a group ahead to make sure that you're really ready. I'm going to make sure that when the plate gets passed, that, there's not, that, 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 that we don't get embarrassed and that you're not embarrassed for being so confident about your giving. In other words, be planned in your giving. 
Translate the heart that God's given to you for generosity into your mind. Have a plan for it. It doesn't have to be my plan. It doesn't have to be our plan. You have a plan. He who has a plan wins. Have a plan for your giving. Uh, make, a, make, make notes and, 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 and make a dedicated effort to, to write out what you want to give and follow through on that. Again, so many people, their heart is warmed. They, they want to be generous, but it never translates to their budget or their bank account. Translate your generous heart to your generous hands. Make a plan and a budget for it. Can I share a personal story on this? When we were first married, Jen and I have been married almost 20 years. When we were first married, um, Jen was teaching at a CMS school. I was in graduate school. I was in seminary and working full time. I think we saw each other for like five minutes in our first couple years of, of, of marriage. We were just working. We were starting. And there were times in our giving that, that, that what we thought we, we had given, what we wanted to give, didn't match up to the sheet that we got at the end of the year. And we would look at each other at the end of the month and we'd say, did you write the check? No, I thought you wrote the check. Or you were supposed to write the check. And then weeks would go by. And then another check wouldn't get written. And we thought we, had, we thought we were going to be giving this amount of money when actually we gave this amount of money. And we would have to make it up at the end of the year. Or we have to look at that and say, we didn't give what we wanted to give because we didn't have a plan for giving. We had a heart for giving, but we never planned it out. That's what Paul is getting at. That's the principle of what he's saying here. I want you to be ready. And he says here, look at verse 5. He says, you've promised this, but I want it to be a willing gift and not an exaction. Planning makes it a willing gift and not something that feels like someone's taking something from you because it's what you wanted to do. It was the desire of your heart and you put a plan in place for that to happen. For us, this may not be for you, okay? I'm sharing our story. For us, automated giving, online giving changed the way that we gave because we were able to, to pray about it, to prioritize it, but then we planned it. And for us, that helped us so much in a fast-paced life with all kinds of things happening that we've already set our amount. We've prayed about it. We've planned it. We've put it into place that every single month, the first thing that comes out of our bank account is our giving to the local church. And that's helped us to give. That's the foundation for our giving. And then we give above and beyond that to other different projects and things that, that the Lord moves in our heart and asks us to give. We're able to be spontaneous in our giving. But every single month, the first thing, we've already planned what our gift is. We've, we've made a plan to match the priority of giving in our hearts. Again, that may not be for you. You may uh, like to write a check and bring it to worship service and put it in place. That's wonderful. Whatever that looks like for you, just have a plan of how you're matching up the priority of your heart with, with, with a plan for how you're going to live that out. We use the give, save, spend method. Have you heard of that? We live in a world that, that uses the other method. Spend, maybe save, mm, don't know about giving. Start with give. Make that the priority and plan for that. Give first, then save, then spend. Everything in the world tells you to do the opposite of that. Spend, 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 spend. Spend money you don't have. Only spend the money that you have, but only after you've given and you've saved. You are ridiculously in charge of your money. It really is ridiculous how in charge you are. How much volition God's given to each of you. How much choice he's given you in the matter. And you get to decide how your money gets spent. So you can decide where your money goes or your money can decide where you go. And you make the choice in that. And oftentimes that comes down to having a plan. Your giving should be prayerful. 
Your giving should be a priority, the first thing. You should have a plan for it. Whatever the plan is, just have a plan for you and your family of how you're going to give, how you're going to follow through on your heart of generosity. Here's the fourth one. Your giving should be personal. Look at what Paul says in verses 6 through 9. He says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Pay attention to these words, verse 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. It shouldn't be reluctantly or under compulsion, Paul says, for God loves a what? A cheerful giver. Can you imagine the day when the offering plate comes by or when you hit the button on your computer or your phone to give and you're cheerful and joyful? So many of you are experiencing that right now. You know the joy that it is to give. God loves a cheerful giver, somebody that's aligned their heart with the actual practice of giving. And that comes when we make it personal, when we decide in our own hearts, not under compulsion because a preacher gets up and gives a sermon or someone else tells you you have to give or you hear something growing up and you feel like it's a tax or you have to do it. Not in that way. That's not what God wants. God wants you to give because your heart is aligned to his heart and he's a giver. Make your giving personal. You, you, you can't outgive God, guys. You just can't. God gives and gives and gives. We cannot outgive our God. So give and make it personal. Have a plan for it, of course, but it's got to be your plan. It's got to be what God has put on your heart. Make it personal. Two things that I, questions that I get often about, about giving, especially when it comes to uh, personal, you know, giving, what, what, what it is for each person and each family. The first one is, how much should we give? How much should I give? I can't answer that. You have to pray about that and ask God what you should give. Some of you grew up, some of you practiced tithing. I think that's a wonderful biblical principle. But you don't give because you have to. And it's not just 10% that belongs to God. It's 100% that belongs to God. So, so everything comes from him. If, you, if you're a tither, if you give 10%, I think that's a wonderful thing. We personally tithe and give in that way. But we don't give in that way because we have to give 10%. It, it, Tim Keller says it this way, Pastor Tim Keller. He says, people in the Old Testament who were looking forward to Jesus gave 10 plus percent. What should people who have experienced Jesus on this side of Jesus give? Ask God what you should give. Tithing is a wonderful principle and a place to begin your giving from. But we don't give because we have to give according to the law. We give according to grace and what's been given to us. Our standard isn't the law anymore when it comes to giving. Our standard is the cross and what God's done for us. The second question that I often get, first one is how much should we give? Second is, should we give to the local church? Or can we just give to other organizations? We're giving. Does it really matter if we give to the church? And here's, that's a weird question for me to answer, right? And I'm not objective in that. But here's what I would say biblically. For all of its flaws, for all the things that are wrong with the church, and there's many because there's a lot of things wrong with us as people, and we're the church. For all the things that are wrong about the church, for all the frustrations that you might have with the local church, the local church is still the hope of the world. It is God's primary vehicle to bring his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And so we don't give to our local church because we like everything the church is doing and we love what the pastor's saying every single week or we think every decision that's made is the right decision according to us. That's not why we give. We give to the local church 
because it's God's gift to the world. It is the primary, not the only, it is the primary vehicle that God uses to bless and to reach a lost and dying world. And the primary, the primary thing that the local church does that is unique is the proclamation of God's word. It is the proclamation of God's word. So here's what I would just say. If this is the church that you call home, if New City is your church, would you please give to your local church? I'm not going to tell you how much. I would just say if you call this church your home, would you give? And if you call another church home, if you're visiting with us or if you're watching online today, give to your local church. Bless your church. Not because you like everything that happens in there or today you like it and tomorrow you don't like it because it's God's primary vehicle to bring his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Here's the final thing, guys. Giving up your money should be progressive. Here's where it gets really fun. Is you don't get stuck in just what you've given in the past. But as the Lord blesses you and as the Lord might give increase to you and your family, you're able to be progressive in what you give to other people. Look at verses 10 and 11 here. Paul says, he who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now pay attention to verse 11 here. You will be enriched in every way to be what? To be generous in every way. In other words, what Paul says here is that you are blessed with every good and perfect gift that God gives to you. And in particular here, the gift of money and resources. You are blessed, not just to be blessed and to be prosperous and live up on a hill and look down on people. You are blessed to be a blessing to other people. And this goes all the way back to the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis chapter 12, when God calls Abram and he says, I'm going to make your name great. And I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to other people. And all the families of the earth will be blessed, Abram, through you. And now the local church, the people of God, are the continuance of that covenant. That the family of God, the people of God, are the primary instrument to bless other people in our city and around the world. So as God blesses us with any kind of increase, we're faithful to bless other people. And again, I want to footstomp this. You can't outgive God. You just can't. The more that God gives to you, the more you're able to give to other people. And look what Paul says here. God's the supplier of everything. And as you give, God's faithful to give. It doesn't mean that God's going to meet every one of your greeds, but God's going to meet your needs. He's going to supply what you need so that you can be a blessing to other people. That's what Paul is teaching here. It's not a prosperityism. It's the idea that God has given me every good and perfect gift so that I can be a blessing to other people, so I can be generous to other people. I've never met a person... I've never met a person in all my 21 years of ministry, so far at least, I've never met a person that says, you know what, my biggest regret, pastor, my biggest regret is that I was generous. That hasn't happened yet, maybe it will. Where someone comes up and says, you know, as I look back over the course of my life, one of my major regrets is that, that I gave. We just gave too much. And that's one of my biggest regrets is we just gave too much. I spent too much time with people. I gave too much of my resources. I've never met someone who said that, but you better believe I've heard person after person after person after person after person that said the contrary to that. I wish I'd given more. I wish in that season of my life that God had a hold of my heart and I would have been generous. I wish I'd spent more time. I wish I'd given more resources that God had given to me. I wish I'd been a more open-handed, generous person. An only God adventure 
awaits each and every one of you on the other side of your generosity. You get to be a part of a story. You get to be a part of stories of people who are coming to Christ. People who are crossing from death to life because of the power of Jesus. Marriages that are being restored. People that are being sent on mission. You get to be a part of this work of the kingdom of God as you give. This only God story adventure awaits each and every one of you on the other side of your generosity. And every time you give, whether it's of your money, whether it's of your time, in any way, you're participating in the great story of God. So here's the bottom line today. You can give without loving. It's true, you can. You can give without loving. But watch this. You cannot love without giving. You can't love God and other people, the great commandment, without giving. For God so loved the world that he gave. And now I ask each of us to do the same. To him alone be the glory today. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for every good and perfect gift in our lives because we know it comes through your sovereign and loving hands. We are a grateful people today. And for the places and spaces of our hearts that are not grateful, would you make us grateful people? Would you make us generous people out of your kindness and your love? Help us to know what you're speaking to us today. Give us the wisdom to understand what you're speaking to us. And would you also give us the faith and the trust to obey you, especially as it comes to the subject of our money. We'll be careful to give you all the glory for it because it belongs to you. In Christ's name, amen.